Please be seated. I know you're looking for a Daniel handout, and that's where we should be, except we're taking a deviation from that this evening. If you have your Bible, let me encourage you to turn that to the book of Malachi, chapter 3. We're going to make it there in just a moment. I'd like to, I guess, make a confession. There was a subject matter we used to speak about quite frequently that I don't guess in 18 years I've ever really preached on. Not that I have avoided it, just that I, it just never really crossed my radar, which is probably not a good thing. Did you know that you can attend a denominational worship service in Texas where there'll be 20,000 people there? Did you know, by the way, the ticket cost for that? You heard me. The ticket cost for a seat is $30 to $50. It boggles the mind to live in the world in which we live and just assume that the church for which Jesus the Christ died will stay the same, locally speaking, as it always has. The subject I've never preached on that probably I ought to, and I know I should, and more is this. It's going to be up to another generation to keep the church pure. And it's going to be up to me to make sure they know how to do that. So, if you want to write down what this lesson's about, that's it. That's the whole thing. What we have are a group of, of congregations individually who have decided that numbers are down. And unfortunately for some of us, we're speaking about the Lord's church, some of us have decided that it is more uh, beneficial for noise and nickels and numbers rather than souls. Now, I understand every one, of, every one of those numbers represents a person. I understand with all of those nickels that we can help the Lord's church grow. I understand with all that noise, we can praise God. But what we have decided is that it is more important to have the numbers there than the souls in heaven. What a shame. And shame on us. We have gone through and taught our children all sorts of Bible facts and all sorts of Bible figures that you can find right on the very pages of inspiration. And they should know those things without ever teaching them how to apply those things into their life. And we wonder why we're only retaining about 40% of them. Maybe you should get a better youth minister. That'll do it, right? We, we moved them from that particular group into a college age group and they began to figure out that it's hard to apply God's word. Why? Because the entire rest of the world wants to do something different. Imagine that. 
And because God's word is specific about what God wants, then those, those, that group of people tend to get burned out from it. They tend to look at it and see, all they see is, I can't, I can't, I can't, when in fact you can, you can, you can. We move from that, if we make it through that young professional age, we move into my age group to where maybe you come. If it's going to be important on Sunday or if I like what's going to be said or like the topic about what's going to be said Sunday, maybe I come or, or maybe I don't. Maybe I just watch it online because in the unfortunate world in which we live, there have been churches for which the Lord has died who still have the name Church of Christ on their sign whose tagline for their feed is you can worship God in your underwear. What a terrible idea. Maybe we come, maybe we don't. We move from that group into an older group and then we start uh, going the way of the world, as Job would say, and, and time will begin to catch up with us and our friends begin to disappear and then we begin to look at ourselves and say, well, I don't have any kind of basis about what I'm supposed to do at all. That's because we failed you right here. It's because an older generation didn't teach you what God expected and how God expected his church to survive. And, and what we expect is God's just going to magically kind of push it through the way it's supposed to go. Brethren, there's a reason why he told those disciples, y'all take the baskets and go out there and feed them. There's a reason why he ascended 10 days before the church was established. Whose job was it to establish that church? was those disciples. And we stand on the very shoulders of those disciples and we go like this. Boy, this is a good view from right here. Why in the world have we lost the idea to teach others and to teach those within this group? This is not a sermon for those, although we're glad to have you, this is not a sermon for those out there. This is a sermon for us in here. Congregation, local congregation after local congregation after local congregation, changing what God would say and changing names on signs and changing everything that would be distinguishing about the church of Christ from any other denomination so that and for the sole purpose to have people there. That's pitiful. That's terrible. There's no way God's happy with that. Malachi chapter 3. This is not a New Testament, this is not a, 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 a 21st century problem. This has been going on. Malachi chapter 3. Behold, I will send my messenger and he shall prepare the way before me and the Lord whom you shall seek shall suddenly come to the temple even as the messenger of the covenant and you shall delight in it. Behold, he shall come, saith the Lord of hosts. Well, where has he been? But who will abide in the day of the coming and who will, shall stand in the day that he appeareth? Or he's like to a refiner's fire. He's like to a fuller's or a cleaner's soap. And he shall sit as a refiner and purify the silver. And he shall purify the sons of Levi and purge out the gold and the silver that he may offer unto the Lord an offering of righteousness. 
Then shall the offering of Judah and Jerusalem be pleasant unto the Lord as in the days of old and as in the former years. And I will come near to you in judgment and I'll be swift to witness against sorcerers and against adulterers and against false swearers and against those who have oppressed the hireling in his wage and the, and the widow and the fatherless and turn aside the stranger from his right. And fear not me, said the Lord of hosts, for I am the Lord. I change not. Therefore, you sons of Jacob are not consumed. Even from the days of your father, you've gone away from mine ordinances. You have not kept them. Return unto me and I will return unto you, said the Lord. And then they ask this question. How would you expect us to return? Now, I want you to focus in on that question for just a moment there in the end of verse number seven. How shall we return? Now, I want you to understand how Israel is asking this minor prophet this question. How are we going to come back? Because we're already here. <laughs> to which Micah would say, no, you're not. The first six, six verses here in Micah chapter 3, or Malachi rather, Malachi chapter 3, Malachi is saying, you are physically here. Yes, you are physically in the place where God would gather his people so that they worship him, but you ain't here. You're not here. You're somewhere else. How are we going to return, God? We're right here. You want to keep that idea going? Notice this. Will a man rob God? Yet you've robbed me. But you say, wherein have we robbed thee? And God answers, you've only robbed me in tithes and offerings, only in things that are required and in things that are above that. That pretty much includes everything. You've only robbed me every which way but loose here. You've, 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 every way I turn, you're taking money out. You're not coming. You're cursed with a curse. You've robbed me, even the whole nation. Bring ye the tithes to the storehouse that it might be meat in mine house and prove me now herewith, said the Lord of hosts. See if I will not open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing that will not be room enough to receive it. And I'll, re I'll rebuke the devourers of you. Now, if you write in your Bible, chapter 3, verse 10, is the one single place in all of Scripture, in all of the 66 verses, there's only one single place where this phrase is used, prove me now, where God would say, give it a shot, test me, see if I won't. And Israel's problem is that they're not there, they've checked out. They're heating a pew. That's all they're doing. They're checking a box. I was here Sunday and then Sunday night too. Boy, I was here Wednesday night. And hey, what'd you get out of it? What'd you study? What, what did he preach about? What songs did you sing? What did you pray about? I don't know, but I was there. No, you weren't. Geographically, sure. But if it is our job to simply show up and just run through some kind of thing, why don't we just sing one song, have one prayer, read one scripture, take the Lord's Supper and give and be out in 10 minutes. We checked every single box. 
Go back to 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse number 17. One of the reasons why the Lord's church individually as local congregations is changing is because we want to change insistently. The 2 Corinthians chapter 6 that Michael just read for us, come out from among them, notice what he says, and be ye separate. But what we want to do and what we want to say and how we want to live is how can I be just like everybody else and not be different? You can do that by not being a Christian. The end. If you're going to be a child of God, if you're going to be in the, in the army of Jesus the Christ, you are going to be different, period. You have to be. There has to be something different about you. There has to be something that would show the light of Jesus the Christ shining out from me to the world or else they just see everybody else. But I insist that I have to be just like everybody else. And so change doesn't happen within the church, but change does happen within the doctrine of the church. And you lose the church. Because the individual won't change, the entirety of the group changes. What a sad idea. And you know what happens when, when the church changes that way? You let a generation or two go by, you'll never get that church back. You may not get it back after the first one. Well, we're going to change inside the church because I insistently have to change. Maybe that I change out of ignorance. Hosea, Hosea chapter 4 and verse 6. My people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. Brethren, understand this. Individual congregations of the Lord's church, and we'll speak about our individual congregation. We don't live in a vacuum. I had a member today uh, tell me a good illustration uh, that I'm going to use with the teens, but it's going to be toward the summertime. I hope you forget about it by then. This, this, the person said, take a, a, uh, uh, a plate of water. And then the suggestion was, let's put some dye in that water so they'd really get the effect. Uh, put, put it down in front of them as they sit around a table. Tell them that sin and then go over there and just smash that water as hard as you can. And they will get sprayed even though they had nothing to do with it. Do you understand yet? The church individual, the church locally who changes may not have anything to do with the rest of the people around them, rest of the congregations around them, but there's going to be an effect. There's going to be a ripple that goes out through there. And people have changed because they just don't know any better. Bless their hearts. Do y'all know what that means? Because they obviously... They obviously don't have one of these. And they obviously cannot open it except for the appointed times on Sunday morning, Sunday evening, and Wednesday evening. That minor prophet, Hosea, as he's speaking to the nation of Israel, speaks to a nation of Israel who does not have the ability to hold God's word in their lap the way you and I do. 
and he still, God still held them responsible for knowing what's he going to do for us. My people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. Local congregations destroy themselves because they do it ignorantly or because they do it out of, I have to insist that something changes. Local congregations destroy themselves because they do it individually. Look over at Luke chapter 22. You can look at Luke 22 and you can keep your finger there and flip over back to John chapter number 13. Now, I want you to look at this case in point with Peter. In Luke 13, Peter sits down before Jesus the Christ. They're at the, in this upper room. And Peter looks across the table at Jesus. And I think what he says, I think he fully means it. I don't think he's ready to back up. I don't think he's ready to go to one side or another. I think when he says, I'm ready to go with you to prison and to death, I think he means it. Do you know why? Been in that room. How about you? You've been in those places that are very spiritually sound and you realize today I've got to make some changes and I'm going to change this and I'm going to change that and I'm going to be one who follows after God only to find out that life's a little tougher down by the fire, isn't it? The same mouth of the same man in the same 24-hour period of time in the same city said, I'm ready to go with you to prison and to death and I don't even know him. And that's an individual choice. And for Peter, at that point in time, the mission of Jesus the Christ, the founding of the church for which he is going to be uh, given a lot of responsibility there, and even his own salvation, he decides to lay over to the side. No one made him. No one forced him to do that. It wasn't the fact that Peter had to do this in order to, to save Jesus from the cross. You sound just like one of them. That's not me. Weren't you with them? <laughs> no way. Now, just you reverse that a little bit. I'm ready to go with you to death. The local church changes because the individuals in the local church decide it's time to change. Because some individuals would say, you know, it can't be that bad. God wouldn't hold all of that against you, would he? Have you guys not ever studied or understood the grace of God? How it, 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 it overflows everything? Which theoretically then is a license to do anything you want. God's grace will cover it. The fact of the matter is this. When I decide to change God's word so that it will fit what I want to do and I, I don't feel guilty about it. That change is individual, and that results in the change of a local congregation. Why do you feel guilty about it in the first place? Well, because it's wrong. 
Well, now you've got two choices. Either continue doing it and stop coming to the place that makes you feel guilty about it or stop. Pick one. But I'd rather have my cake and eat it too. I think one of the, the fourth way that the, in the localized church changes is in its institutional, institutionality. 1 Corinthians, the entire book. The entire institution of the church local there changed. Why? Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 5. There is probably a, a correlation between what is written in 1 Corinthians chapter 5 and, and what is the mindset in Corinth going on at this time? Notice this. It is reported, this is verse 1, commonly that there is fornication among you and such fornication is not so named among the Gentiles that one should have his father's wife. And you, church, you are puffed up. You, you don't want to mourn about it, but you'd rather take this deed away from among you You'd rather keep the sin there and, and say to yourself and those around you looking at you, say, look how tolerant I am and understanding I am. And we are as a collective that we will allow this sin to continue to permeate the church when in fact what the church should be doing is separating themselves from that. Later on in that particular chapter, know you not that a little leaven leavened the whole lump? How many times have you heard someone preach about this idea and ask you how to get yeast out of bread? A hundred thousand times. Well, it's still applicable. You can't get it out. God says you're going to have to cut that apart. You're going to have to tear it out. You're going to have to separate yourself. For what reason? So that that man and that woman may come back to Christ. Not because I look at them and say, oh, they're, they're terrible people. They're not nearly as good as I am. Why do we do what we do as a church to save souls, whether they'll be inside this room or outside of this room? But when you change the church in its institution, 1 Corinthians chapter 5, then you have, you know what, Jonathan, you're okay. And I'm okay. And we're, we're going to be okay together. Are you going to be together? But you're not going to be okay. The reason, blanket statement, the reason why the local church falls apart is because we have yet to teach them how to keep it together. The church, the local congregation is special. In our, in our city, the local congregation is special. That local congregation is unique. There is nothing Nothing offered like this anywhere else in the city other than the local congregations of the Lord's people. And what is offered? Salvation. What is offered? A home in heaven. What is offered? The opportunity to change and to follow after what God says and not just think that everything I do is wonderful. Raise your hand if you're married. This is not a hard question. Let me ask you this. <laughs> is everything your spouse do in the time you've been married, is, it, is everything they've ever done been wonderful? 
See, the, the ladies are shaking their head no, the men are shaking their head yes. That's a perfect scenario. Fact of the matter is this, it hasn't been. It hasn't been 100% roses and, and, and clovers for you guys, has it? Now, have they been faithful? God doesn't expect us to be perfect in order to keep the church perfect. He expects us to be faithful. And in order for that church to stay faithful through those years, it has to be taught from the cradle row class and even further, that starts at home, but it has to be taught from the cradle row class all the way through the adult class every week. Has to be. It's just that important. The church in its purity, the church locally in its purity is just that important. I'm going to make a statement here and I want, I want Tracy of all of us to understand I'm not correcting anything he prayed about. We have eight men who stand in the gap of the gate trying to keep us perfect and I appreciate that. But I need you to know also this. Just as much as it's their job, it's your job too. I, I want everybody in this room to go to heaven. Especially this one. And I want y'all to, if, if, if I start acting like a heathen, I want y'all to, to drag me kicking and screaming. Brethren, isn't that the goal of, of the localized church? To save the lost? It cannot do that if we deviate from God's plan. In any way, at any time, it cannot do that without the blessing of God and the sacrifice of Jesus the Christ. That happens for the non-believer, for the one who has not put on Christ yet, by hearing what God has to say and believing those things. By repenting of his sin, confessing that Jesus is the Christ, and being baptized in water for the remission of his sins. He then is added to the church for which Jesus died. Now guess what? I don't know how many times you've heard that, but I know over the past three and a half years, and then five, how many times you've heard that. Every time I stop, you're going to hear that. Why? Because that's God's plan. This is God's church. That's God's plan. There's no other plan I can give you. And if you look at yourself and you say, what if I've changed individually? Well, then look in the mirror of the Bible. If you're not reflecting Jesus the Christ and you're supposed to be, then you've changed somewhere. Jesus hasn't. Jesus would say, I'm the same today, yesterday, and forever. So if, I, if I'm not reflecting what Jesus says, then I, I've changed somewhere. It's time to come home. And it's time to, for us as, as a collective of the army of God to resolve that the church that meets here at 948 Airport Road in Hot Springs, Arkansas is going to remain faithful through my life and through my children's life. And I'm going to make sure that happens. How about you? If you need to come home, if you need to be added to the Lord's church, that time's right now while we stand and sing.